What are you doing? <laughs> All right. You guys happy with your t-shirts and your backgrounds and your glasses? I had to lift my game after I saw yeah. the so <laughs> ready to go. All right. Let's get going. And we are live. This is our first pod of 2021. It's very exciting. Welcome, Arnie, my well, co-host. Thanks, Sean. It's good to good to be back. We're kicking off 2021 with a bang, I think. It is. It is a bang. We've we've lifted the bar super super high. We have Eduardo Nofuentes, the founder of the Agile Contact Center, the Agile 11 and New 21. Just is uh, is an unstoppable founder. Um, and this is the origin story of origin stories today because uh, Eduardo is going to talk to us about the origins of the Agile Contact Center, his experience with Agile and his time at realestate.com, um, which I'm really excited about. I mean, I've heard the story before, obviously, uh, but it's it's such a good story. It's, um, yeah, we've got to commit it to the pod and, and get it out there for everyone else to hear as well. So, yeah, welcome, Eduardo. Um, thank you, Sean and Arnie. I thought you were never going to ask me to be part of this. What's, what's what number is this? What how many podcasts have we done now? We're into the twenties. Well, we did run out of other guests, to be honest. So twenties. <laughs> you haven't asked me until number twenty. This is outrageous. Uh, it is. It is outrageous. But we think that's perfect timing. It's a new okay. year. This is the way to start. So. Okay. 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 <laughs> So let's let's dive into it. We, the way we normally do this, we give our guests complete free reign to take us back through their their journeys. So it's over to you. And yeah, like I said, we really you've done a lot of things. So you, we could talk to you for hours and hours about many things. But I think your your REA story is the one our listeners will be really keen to hear about. So go back as far as you like and take us through it. Hello folks, we have some exciting news. We are kicking off a fortnightly lean coffee on the future of contact centers. We're hoping to build a community of support for all you contact center folks out there who are on a quest to reinvent your contact centers. Our plan is this, it's a fortnightly lean coffee. Lean coffee is just simply a way to prioritize the discussion. So we only talk about the stuff that's most important to you. So you guys will drive this, you will come along with the topics, we will help you prioritize them, and then we will run the discussion. So you get the most value you possibly can out of this time every fortnight. We're going to run it on the Meetup platform. So www.meetup.com and then search for the future of contact centers and then simply register and you'll get all the reminders and so forth in your calendar. We think it's a cool platform because A, we can run the event through there, but also there's message boards, polls, discussion threads. So we're hoping it's a, a place where you can go, not just to participate in these, these forums every fortnight, but also to build your network with like-minded contact center people and have the discussions that you need to have so that you can make your contact center better. So we're super excited about it, kicking off um, on Meetup, as I said. So head to www.meetup.com, search for the future of contact centers, register and come along. And yeah, we'd love to see you there and really look forward to making this something that uh, you can rely on to help you in your quest. So that's it for now and we hope to see you there. Bye. 
Well, I was born in Barcelona in the 1970s. Not that far, Too no? far. Too far. <laughs> <laughs> We're going deep, sure. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, yeah, look, I think, um, um, well, it is far because uh, I was reflecting just before before our chat. It's, it's nearly 10 years ago now when I when I first joined uh, REA, realestate.com. It was in 2011 or the end of 2011. So we, we're nearly 10 years now. So it's, it's a decade since that story happened. And I, I always tell the story that um, I didn't have any before I joined REA. Uh, back back then, I didn't have any experience neither in agile or in contact centers. And at the end of my time there, which was around three years, so I, I finished in 2014, 2015, I think, I founded a company called the Agile Contact Center. So figure that. That was a very, <laughs> very intense three years of learning both about contact centers and both and and and, and agile as well. So yeah. Um, my background before that, uh, as I said, it was not in contact centers and um, it was more in sales strategy, sales operations. Uh, my previous two roles were for very corporate, big organizations, um, one American, one Australian. I wasn't happy. You know, I knew there was something that, you know, I didn't like about that type of corporate, you know, mentality. And I was looking for something different. And and I started talking to realestate.com um, almost without a role in mind. And I really liked their approach and, you know, the ethos, the DNA as a company. And um, the, the, the head of talent at the time said, look, it's a bit left field, but we've got this role here. What do you think? And I think it was called something customer experience manager or head of customer experience. It was basically... Um, managing three portfolios and one of them one was sales operations which was my my background and the other one was um some admin teams and the other one was the contact center and i did as i said i didn't have any experience with contact centers and i said to them hey i, I don't i've never managed a contact center and they're like it's okay you'll be all right you know <laughs> and um yeah it, it truly changed changed my life um um, you know, from that point in time, I started learning a lot of things. Started learning about contact centers. Started learning about agile, and you know, uh, you know, the rest is history. But yeah, um, it was a bit by accident. I think it was because having a company that was seeing more the skills that I had for what they, those teams needed, rather than my, you know, experience in that field, if you like. Mm. So. Yeah, you go. Do you, do you want to do you want to get into that a little bit? Because because um, a couple of things I, I want to note. So, like, tell us. You know, you, you moved over there. So obviously they they said, hey, here's this yep. gig. Um, yeah, tell us what that team was like before you came and yep. those skills that you're talking about. Like, what what yeah. what was it? Yeah, look, the, the team was great. Like, uh, the company was great. Like, it was a, a fast-growing company, as we all know, you know, uh, in the digital space. So digital company, fast-growing, which is exactly what I wanted. Uh, young, you know, like an average of, you know, probably in the company around 30-something, probably in the, in the contact center was even younger at the time, you know, 20s, you know, late, late 20s, early 30s. But the contact center was very much like what you find in most contact centers, you know. 
um, disengage um, um, experience or employee experience, poor customer satisfaction, and very much very disconnected from the rest of the business. You know, one of the things that I kept, hear, I kept hearing when I started was, um, you know, we work in this contact center and we, the company is great and, you know, we're going really fast, but we're the last, time, the last ones always to hear about everything. And change keeps being thrown upon us, you know, uh, all the time. And we're always on the back foot. And, you know, I think I'm probably describing 80% of the contact centers. I was going to say, not much has changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was very, very much, you know, low, low employee or lower employee engagement to the rest of the organization, you know, poor customer satisfaction and very disconnected from the business at the time. And then they brought you in because yeah. you're saying no, other because they were responsible. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they, they 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 saw some qualities in me around you know turnaround, change management, leadership, you know willingness to do things differently, uh, alignment to the DNA of the organization. So I think I think that's probably what mm. what they saw. And was there anything just on that? Was there anything when you joined that surprised you? Did you have any preconceptions about what that environment would be like? And when you went in, you were surprised by? No, I don't think I don't think any surprises. I think yeah. I think I was I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, over time, over time, I, I realized a lot of things about the contact center world. And most of them very positive, you know, how passionate, for example, mm. are the people working there and how committed mm. and how underrated, <laughs> you know, they are in general. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So you got in, you've, you've, you've got the lay of the land now, you've got, you understand what's going on in the team and how they fit. Yeah. Where did you go from there? I asked for help. <laughs> very good. Very smart man. <laughs> I did. Look, I, I was very lucky. I was very lucky to have a supported, supportive environment. So I knew that I didn't want to do things the traditional way. As I said, I had not managed contact centers, but I, has, I had suffered many contact centers as a client. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we all have suffered, you know, experiences. So I, I knew more or less what are the things probably that contact centers uh, had designed wrong. And um, I was... I was willing to try different things to do it. So I had a very supportive environment. First, I had a boss that allowed me to do it, you know, a leader that allowed me to do it. Then I, I had, you know, a mentor within the organization that almost grabbed me under, you know, his wing and, and, and helped and, and taught me a lot of things. Then I asked for a, an external help as well. I had an agile coach um, working with me from the beginning and, and she was great. And she, she told me and, and a lot of things that I didn't know mm. at the time. Right? So, so just interesting there, why did you get an agile coach of all the types of coaches you could have got to come and help in a contact center? Again, it was a bit of by accident, right? Um, so REA was, was an, an agile house um, and um, they were doing a lot of agile in, in, in the product and software areas and, just at the same time when I started um, 
the CIO at the time, so Nigel Dalton started at the same time. We, we almost did our onboarding together, right? And we're talking about this contact center and the poor customer satisfaction. And, you know, he, he was the one that became a bit of my mentor through this process. Mm -hmm. And he knew someone that he felt could help me with some agile background, but, but broader than that. And, and that's how it, it came about. Excellent. That's okay. really, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, um, and I guess it talks to how you wanted to try something different and was willing to do things differently. Was there any lure for you at all to go down a traditional route? And Any what, sorry? Was there, was there a lure for you to go to like a traditional route, speak to people who are very experienced in contact centers or were you just like, not at all. You've seen how it doesn't work. So you wanted exactly. to see what, yeah, And it was, right. it was more from my experience, like try with my accent for, you know, like, I think contact centers at the time, there were, there were a lot on that automation, you know, um, journey, you know, everything had to be automated and, you yeah. know, and uh, imagine, I remember there was a lot of uh, IVRs at the time where you had to say, in a few words, tell us what your call is about. So try that with my accent. It never, it never worked. <laughs> I was just frustrated, you know, banging the phone every time I had to call to, to, to run a contact center, right? So um, I knew there was a different way to, to, to deal with customers in that front line that the way, especially bigger organizations uh, had done in the last few years. Yeah. It's a good lesson. There's a good lesson there that you've touched on really early is that just even from the outset, you looked at it as a customer through a customer lens, the, the mm -hmm. problems you're trying to solve, not as a, as a leader within there. And perhaps because you didn't have contacts and a background, you didn't come in with that, that frame of reference. So that might've helped you, but yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose just an observation more than anything to see that from day one, it was more, what, what is the, what is the customer angle here on how we, look to try and improve things. I remember, and pros that na naivety, is that a word, naive? Being naive, mm. naivety, mm. yeah, is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I mean, wouldn't have understood, but we understood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I remember um, early on, ask, you know, we had an IVR as well, you know, press one for this, press two for that, press three for that. And I was asking, where do those calls go? Do they go to different teams or do they go to different parts? They said, no, 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 they all go for, they all, they all go to the same place. They said, what? And then why are, we, why are we asking customer to press something? I said, well, for internal, re, you know, reporting purposes. So we know how many calls we get about this, about that. It's like, just forget it. Like, don't you hate it when you need to call, you know, um, mm a contact center or a company and, and start pressing ones and twos and threes until you can speak to someone. Let's remove that. So that was one of the first things we did. We, we removed the IVR. So when a customer called, bang, you get a, a human speaking to you straight away. Yeah. Was there any um, pushback from anyone on, on removing that? There was pushback on everything for many, for, for many things. Um, but I think, um, especially at the beginning, you know, sort of the first test that we did, but, um, um, thing was about being brave, yeah, and about trying things differently, and and telling the team that it was okay that if we made a mistake, you know, we can always you know turn it back, right? We can always um, you know we can always put the IVR again, right? Um, so I think as a leader, and you know, going back to your question about those qualities, you know, was about that and making the team feel safe about this new direction that we were, that we were taking. Mm. 
All right, that's that's really good. That that kind of leads us into you. You talked about a couple of things there. The CSAT results weren't weren't great, and you had a disengaged team. Maybe if you start with the CSAT, what what kind of things do you start to do to try and improve that? That's a great question. That that's probably the end result of everything we did. So okay. so the CSAT, it's um, it's the end result of all the little things that we that we did. Right? I can't say, no, we did that and therefore, you know, the, the CSAT went up. You know, I think the, C, the, the CSAT is the result of the system of work that we built around, around that contact center, you mm-hmm. know, how we, how we operate, how we treat people, how we change, you know, things here and there. Yeah, yeah. And that result in a, at the end, in a, in a CSAT of nine points, you know, nine points something over 10, you know, um, so yeah, it was, I can't say, you know, this thing, I, I will have to, we'll have to go, which I guess we have time to go through it. You know, all, <laughs> yeah. the, all the things that we did that at the end result in that, in that yeah. improvement in CSAT. Yeah? What, what were some of the highlights then, if you would look at whether it be within the system of work or some things mm-hmm. around the leadership or even the, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about failure demand as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, take us through some of that. What were some of the things that you'd, you'd like to sort of call out as highlights? Yeah. Um. I think when I look back and I reflect, so what what did we do, right? And and I think we we did mainly three things. We we changed the way of working from that team to to an agile way of working, if you like. And we'll go into to more detail. We had a lean lenses, if you like, to the way we, we did things. And we had a systems thinking approach to the contact center. So I think those three things is the way that I can explain now, looking back 10 years, which I didn't know that's what we were doing, you know? <laughs> so change the ways of working to an agile ways of working, change our lenses to, to a lean lenses and, um, and had a systems thinking approach to the contact center. I know they, they probably jargon there, so I'm, I'm keen to break it down, mm, all, yeah. all of them for you if you, if you like, yeah? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So let's start with the, with the agile ways of working. Agile ways of working was around giving the teams that empowerment about the work and about the results of the contact center. So we're starting adopted, adopting some of the practices that the software and product teams were, were using at the time at Ari at, 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 at Real Estate. So we started using visual management. We started, we started using um, daily standups. We started using retrospectives, right? So things like that. And I think that helped with, with that employee engagement and empower, empowerment. They felt they had a voice within, within that team and they owned the success and the direction in many cases of that right but only that i don't think we would have we would have achieved the results that that we that we did um so that was one part when i talk about having a systems thinking lens uh, approach is more around looking at the contact center from a different angle so most contact centers will manage calls. And we started managing customers. 
So if you ask any contact center manager, they'll tell you how many calls they receive every day and what's the average handle time and what's the um, after call time and all these things. We consciously didn't start looking at those metrics. We didn't think that they were the right metrics to manage our customers. So we started looking at, as you said, Sean, you know, what are the type of calls that we are getting? Are they calls customers want to make or are they calls that they don't want to make? And the ones they don't want to make, we started working on eliminating them. So rather than asking our agents, hey, we should be, you should be answering faster. You know, you should be um, shorten your calls, yeah? We said, no, spend as, as long as you want in your call. You know, make sure you give, you know, the best quality to each call. And what we're going to do in the meantime is we're, gonna, is we're going to reduce the number of calls you get by looking at which ones our customers are making that they don't want to make. So there's plenty of examples, plenty of examples about that. Uh, in many industries, in many organizations. But I think that's probably one of the keys to change the results of a contact center. So focus on the calls that your customers don't wanna make and work within the contact center and with the business on eliminating one. I've got an example that uh, one that was, that was great. I, um, we were getting calls um, from people looking for properties. So not the real estate agent, but like someone like us looking for a property, yeah? And calling and said, hey, I'm calling about this property in Hawthorne, yeah? And, and you will get that call. It's like, oh, sorry, you know, we're not the real estate agent. We're realestate.com. What property are you looking for? This one, no problem. I'll put you through. And we, we'll even put through that customer to the real estate agent, right? But 45 seconds, 30 seconds, great customer, you know, um, satisfaction. So you would not pick up those type of calls when you look at, for example, you know, length mm -hmm. of time. Yeah. But because we all had that mentality of removing those wasteful calls, very quickly, the team, the, the team, they said, hey, we're getting these calls. There's something wrong. I just got three in the last hour. Oh, yeah, I got 10 yesterday, blah, blah, blah. So then we started in investigating. And what happened is that the product team had put our 1-300 number much more prominently on the app than the 1-300 number of the agents. It was a design you know, error, if you like. So because we were thinking that way, we were able to tell the product team and they changed that. So we stopped receiving those calls. I, I, I love the simplicity behind that. I think when we speak sometimes about um, the systems thinking, the, the failure and um, failure demand and value demand, sometimes you know, people try to overcomplicate it. You know, what, why, do, why are they calling? I need to know the exact numbers so we can build a business case. Yeah. But from what I'm hearing here, it was just, few people say, hey, I, I just noticed we've been getting this. So why? Wait, hold on. If we extrapolate that, we're getting hundreds of calls a month exactly. on this issue. Let's just have a chat with that team. 
Exactly. We put a little bit of science behind it, but not not that much <laughs> to be <laughs> like it's not like that we had an IT system telling us exactly um, what number of calls or anything like that. We just told the team and said, we think we, we think this is the way to go. We think this is rather than pushing you to take more calls or, or spend less time with every call, we think that the way to go, we're going to improve the customer satisfaction is going to be by removing the calls that our customers don't want to make. So we need you to tell us. And when you invite them, oh, they tell you, <laughs> you know, like, like well, let me tell you, you know, from this morning alone, I've received this, 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 right. And we do almost like a workshop with with a subset of the team and, and you come up with top 10. And then, yes, you can you can put a little bit of rigor behind, you know, I think we had, by memory, we had an Excel spreadsheet or something like that that had the top 10 and we asked the agents, the people to, you know, just rank every time they receive one of those calls. So we had some sort of signs, but nothing really, nothing really, um, you know, too fancy, but that was enough. I will say, well, you know, if in a week we're receiving, you know, 200 calls about this, to you extrapolate that and you can, you can make the numbers very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you can go with that information to the product teams or the marketing team or the finance team, whoever is mm-hmm. causing those, because I tell you what, 95% of failure coming to contact center is caused by the rest of the business, not by the contact center. The, the only failure that is caused by the contact center is the quality ones. So the ones where an agent has provided the wrong information so they need to call again. All the rest come from the business. Finance sending the wrong invoice, marketing sending the wrong letter, um, you know, or the wrong email to the wrong person. You know, the product teams breaking something, you know, the IT teams. Whatever. So it's all coming from the rest of the business. So, yeah, that's brilliant. I, I think the, uh, I mean, I don't know if we have enough time to, to get into how, how you build a culture in this call, but in mm-hmm. this, this podcast, but I mean, you, you certainly went beyond just this mindset of continuous improvement or some tools or workshops or mm. frameworks. It was really evident when I visited that there was a culture of continuous improvement that, that mm. existed within the team. Mm. So what could you share for people who are thinking, well, because sustainability is always always a challenge whenever you're trying to improve processes maybe you've got some capacity now to do it maybe that capacity disappears or things change and it's hard sustaining these things is hard but how how do you what advice would you give people to that are looking to create the kind of culture around continuous improvement so it's always on you're right. And, and, and maybe I should actually talk about agile ways of working before and about system um, uh, systems thinking. The third one was that lean lenses or lean approach. And lean is about three things. You know, it's about um, removing waste. It's about improving the flow of work or adding value to the customer. Yeah. So it was very important to keep these three things in mind almost as lenses that we'll look at. Why are we doing this? Is it adding any value? Is it improving any flow of work? Or is it removing any waste? If yes, let's continue to. If, if not, why are we doing any of that? Mm-hmm. Right? Let's, let's, not, let's not waste our time, right? Your question is, 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 is very good. And because these things is not a linear improvement. 
it's not that I start on January 1st, 2012 and, you know, customer satisfaction and employee engagement and, you know, all these metrics go like that. You know, they go like this and, you know, like they go down and up and up and down. You need to see if the trend, the overall trend is, is trending on the right direction. And if you believe in this, this approach, and if you believe in this approach as a leader, I'm going to talk from a leader point of view, you need to protect the team. And be the one telling the organization, said, I've got this, you know, I know we're going on the right trend. I know customer satisfaction is a bit lower or, you know, this metric is a bit lower, but we're, we're trending in the right direction here. So don't panic if a month something happened and keep believing that this is the right approach and protect the team from, from, from that. So take a little bit of the heat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with, with management or, you know, or, or, um, or, or the executive team. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think in my experience as well, it's important to have a like a coalition, if you like, of people that can help you on that journey. Mm. Because like you said, 95% of the, the failure demand coming into contact centers is not caused by that operation. It's it's coming from the rest of the business. So I have found it's quite helpful to engage some of those people who might be contributing. And I don't mean this in a you know malicious <laughs> way, but just contributing to it because they, they want to improve their own KPIs and their own experience that they're creating for customers too. So it's helpful to try not to do it on your own as well. Oh, the, there, is, there is a lot about uh, stakeholder management and engagement mm. in, in that role. Uh, and one of the first um, roles, so we, we created two roles very quickly. One was a, a continuous improvement role and another one was sort of a, I can't remember how we call it, but pretty much was that stakeholder mm. management. So being the link between the organization and, and, and the contact center. And the product owners, the product managers loved us. Because you, you suddenly start giving those people valuable information. Mm. Like those people don't want to know if the average handle time is 45 seconds, 0.2. You know, that doesn't tell them anything. What they want to know is that, you know, these customers are asking for this improvement or they're complaining about this new release that you did or you got it wrong in here. That's the mm. sort of information. So then the contact center, rather than becoming a cost center that manage calls becomes a very important source of information for the organization, is a value for the organization. One of the things that, that real estate did at the time was because we were changing offices. So we, we, uh, when I started, we were in, just in front of the IKEA in um, Victoria Gardens, and then we moved to Church Street. And deliberately, they put the contact center in the middle of the, of the office on the way to the kitchen. So everyone that went to the kitchen had to go through the contact center, which facilitated a lot of conversation, you know, facilitated a lot of, um, you know, that, that stakeholder management for myself and the leadership team. Also, we had, we had a bit cheeky, but we had the, the reasons of failure demand or main, you know, waste, waste calls. Yeah. On the way to the kitchen, everyone will see them. <laughs> so, you know, if you were a product manager, or you didn't want to see your product there, causing you know more more reasons for failure. Yeah, they're, they're two, two two awesome lessons, though. Regardless of where your contact center is positioned, 
get the get the right people to spend a lot of time in your contact center and visualize those things in a very strategic place as well which which you know at the time that i that i took that role there was a lot of um push for outsourcing and i think that has shifted that has changed in the last few years and i think it it was because of cost you know for cost reasons right like you see the contact center as a cost it's cheaper somewhere else it's cheaper overseas therefore let's do it for that reason and i I think a lot of companies lost a lot of that customer satisfaction customer empathy customer Mm -hmm. experience because of that move and since then what i can what i can see is that a lot of companies are you know, bring it back on shore and, and be more connected to the rest of the business as well. Mm. I want to touch on your question about the culture, um, you know, like building the culture. And I said that at the beginning, it was very important that the leader sort of believes in that way and, and doesn't sort of um, kneel when, 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 you know, you get one month or one, a couple of days where things are not going that way. I think that that allow, I was reflecting like, we're talking about I left Aria probably six years ago. And I don't know today, right? I don't know today. But I know over time that that team, and probably that team has had three different leaders or four different leaders after me. And all I hear is that that culture, that DNA has continued. They probably are doing things much better than I did because it's always about improving what the other leader did, right? Like they always take something and then make it better and... You know, I know Olivia took after me and she make, made it better. And then, you know, she left and someone else came and they made it better. But what I, what I hear, you know, from the people that are still there is that that essence and that culture that we built still there. It didn't change because I left. Mm-hmm. It didn't go back to a more traditional way of doing. They were very proud of what we, what we did. That's that's awesome to hear. Do you do you think that was helped by the culture that existed in the rest of the organization? That that's definitely important. definitely that helps yeah. for sure. You know, like um, you know, having a, a progressive you know digital company like it helps, but it's not just mm. because of that. Mm. You know, I think it helps, but it can be it can sustain itself even yeah. without that support from the rest of the organization. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit that about that culture change? I know you sort of gave us that high level view of those three things yeah. but what what were some of those specific things that you really started doing maybe yeah. as part of that leadership um piece like yeah, yeah. do you want to give yeah. us some examples yeah yeah so i think you need to be very deliberate about what type of culture that you want to build internally yeah and if you want a for example a competitive culture or you want a collaborative culture you know, if you want a culture of transparency or you want a culture of, um, you know, um, yeah, as I said, you know, competition, yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously we want a, a culture of openness and transparency and collaboration and communication. And that's why we adopted some of, some of the agile practices, yeah. But we also, you also need to start then looking at what we call and you guys will, I mean, I know you are familiar with this term, but, you know, but some of the listeners might not, what we call the system of work, yeah? So it's very, it's very well and good to say, hey, we want a, we want a culture of collaboration, 
but then if everyone's KPIs are individual, how much collaboration are you gonna get, right? So that's what we talk about the system of work, right? So some of the things we started doing, uh, for example, was, was that, was um, rather than have individual KPIs, we're starting to have team KPIs, yeah? Um, rather, if we, if we said, for example, that quality was important for us, that we were gonna focus on quality, the only thing that we measure at individual level was quality. You know, we didn't assess, you know, things, you know, like, you know, like, like I know in some context centers happen, you know, um, you know, a, you know, a high list of things they need to do, or, you know, the, or again, you know, the average speed to answer or the average handle time or things like that, right? So we were just focusing quality to the point where at the end, when the quality was so high overall, we didn't even measure individual quality for anyone. So you remove those things, those, those things that are put in place for managing and for give you some certainty, I guess, mm. but not really to improve the customer experience of anyone. <laughs> right? So, yeah. so the, yeah. these are some of the specifics. So looking at, looking at the way we, we change the system of work. Another thing, um, another example, Arnie, would be, you know, many contact centers feel that, you know, when you have more experience, um, you go to a back office, yeah? Like, you know, it's a way of promoting people, mm. right? You know, it's like, and we thought, well, that doesn't make sense from a customer experience. From a customer experience point of view, you want the people with more experience to be answering the calls, right? Because <laughs> they're going to be able to provide better experience. So we find another way to keep those people engaged by giving them a career progression, but still be being in that front line mm. um, as well. So, yeah. Could you, you talked a bit before about some of the agile practices and the ways of working. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about some of the things that you did with the teams and their daily standups and the impact that you saw that that had on the system of work? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we, we started having, um, we started using visual management um, to, to run the contact center. And we had, we started with a couple of walls, a couple of visual management boards. One was around the, the projects that we were doing and typical Kanban type, you know, product project related. And it was more like the big initiatives, you know, we want to do this from technology, from, a, you know, people, from a process point of view, from a continuous improvement. We started managing sprints, tasks, things. But what we did was invited the team members. Anyone could attend those, those standups. So everyone knew what we were working on or what the leadership team was working on. The other thing we started doing was a bit of a body system where some of the leaders would be batting with some of the team members that were interesting. For example, if we want to do a, a, something around social media, so social media was very new. So we needed some sort of strategy on how to respond to social media um, or how to set up the channel for social media. Well, we took you know, we asked the team members, who is interested in that? So a couple of people might put their hand up. I actually saw the other day on LinkedIn that uh, one of the guys that started um, 
put his hand up to be working on that. He's now some social media manager at REA. So it's, you know, like, it's great to see that he started as a front line and now he's found a career through, through a project that we started, you know, uh, in the contact center. So that was one. And the other one, it was the daily, what we call the daily management, you know, the management, the management or the, of the customers, you know, on daily basis. How many calls do we, did we get yesterday? How many calls are we expecting today? What's broken? What's going to happen? Did we send letters yet, yesterday? Blah, blah, blah. What's the roster? You know, who do we need when and, and, and how? So we did you know, that's usually very secretive in, in traditional contact centers, right? So that's very, you know, there's a management team and then we tell everything to, to the front line. So we say, hang on, let's try something different. We managers, we're going to focus on those projects that I told you before, and we're going to let the team manage the day-to-day. We're going to give them the information. We're going to set up a visual management board and they're going to have stand-ups to talk about it and decide themselves. So I, you know, I know that one of the things that that was very surprising for people that started coming because they heard we were doing, you know, um, weird things is that the team were managing their own rosters, and people chose which channels and what time to come, and it was all depending on customer experience. It was all depending on how many calls we were expecting or how many. When I say calls, um, emails, and you know, um, any, any type of context. So the team started doing daily stand-ups. Of course, we couldn't have all the team all the time, uh, sorry, at, on the stand-up. So we had different stand-ups. I think we had two or three in the morning, depending on the shift that they started. And, um, and that's it. They managed the day-to-day. So um, we started introducing things like, you know, hey, no one tell us when we need to have a break in corporate world, what do we need to pay, tell people in the contact center when they have a break? Don't you think they should know? <laughs> so we started trying things like, you know, let them choose when they have to the break. So they didn't themselves. They, they tried different things. They tried different visual management solutions. Uh, they had information on the screen so they could see how many calls they were waiting. So they talked to each other. So yeah, all that daily management, if you like, of the contact center, we push it down to the front line and we give them tools to manage themselves. It's uh, it's quite beautiful when you see that in action. And I'll, I'll talk about my experience when I visited REA, the, when I when I first met you, Eduardo. And I don't know, it, it kind of felt staged, but I'm sure that it wasn't because at the stand-up that I attended, the, there was some talk about... The, one of the targets the team had and there was a lot of passion about it and you you were you and i were observing and you you were you were involved and i suppose this is actually a good point as well as a leader you were involved but you weren't um people weren't looking to you to make a decision and they and you weren't you certainly didn't feel like you had to jump in and 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 resolve this you know this discussion they were having but anyway what happened was that it was a kpi around well, I'm not sure if it was KPI, which is the target that you you would look at in indicatives to the target. Mm. It was around, I think, um, after call work or something. And mm. the, the discussion came up that it wasn't working. And, and on the spot, the team said, well, I think we should change it. And um, you certainly encouraged them to get to the, where they needed to get to. But it was beautiful to see the team have the feel safe enough to talk about, you know, a metric that, they'd be looking at all day, every day that wasn't working for them. And in the time that they had come up with a, 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 
a, a way to solve it. And I know that doesn't happen overnight. You've worked on that, you know, but to me, that's the beauty of that way of working and empowering teams, giving them the data they need, let it, making it accessible, helping them understand how to use it, and then creating that safety for them to have those conversations. Just it's that's the, the sort of the, the end game for me for what teams could could aspire to. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I do. I do feel sometimes it felt it felt especially when we had guests coming. You know, I could feel a bit stage, but it, it, it is hard. But but it was like that. Like I think as a leader, as well as leaders, we gave them a, a direction, you know, and uh, and the direction was that we wanted, you know, to have the best customer experience possible, you know, um, we want to feel people people to feel empowered, you know. Um, those, so th that sort of direction and then the team understood that that was the overall direction so the decisions they made were based on that you know um, was it after call time is that where you were it was after call work yeah yeah like From memory, said, yeah yeah i think i think what we because when we started we had like um we had an automated after call time so so you know the um the you, you know, you will get back online after 45 seconds. Yeah. Right. So just kick them straight back yeah. into the queue. Yeah. 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 It was like, this yeah. is, you don't, you know, like the, <laughs> more thing. And they say, well, sometimes I need more. Sometimes I need less. And is it exactly? So how much it should be? And, and like, like, well, nothing. Give us the, the freedom to go back and forth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and it went down. So by, by taking it off, I think it went to 20 seconds because sometimes they might need 50, but most of the time they just need five, you know, mm -hmm. that's the time they, they had to put on, on the CRM, what the call was about or, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. That's another great example. Yeah. Of it system is. of work improvement. Is mm. this really helping our customer experience? No. Mm. And is it because we don't trust the people? Yeah. In, in? I think the other thing I noticed as well, and it took a bit of a while for the penny to drop on this one, but that certainly started my thinking is that, when you start doing things like that, you actually activate a part of people's brain that they will switch off just out of, you know, conservation of energy. Because if they're just looking for a leader to make decisions all the time, then they'll just wait for, for the leader to make the decision around something, even if they might think it's the wrong thing or they've got an idea. But when you, when you start to say you can make decisions and talk and discuss and come up with solutions around this thing here, they start saying, well, what about this thing here? And then all the things come into play. I think that's just it's such a powerful thing to do with teams. Hundred percent. So you go from a from a, a command and control, you know, telling people and controlling and trying to catch them almost if they do the wrong thing, to a place where you you know a place of trust, mm. and and you give them. And I find that the the, the the command and control would probably have worse results because people start then cheating the system. Or, you know, seeing how they can, you know, go around the system to do things, right? And the ones that, are, that do really want to do things well, they leave. Because it's like, I'm so constrained here by the system. I want to do things, but, you know, like, you know, whatever. And then, then is when the employee engagement, employee mm -hmm. satisfaction mm -hmm. goes down. But if you, if you give people that, that trust, they, what I find what I found all, all, you know, all my career is that they will respond hundred percent better, you know, 
and they will do more than is expected. It's expected from them all the time. Yeah. So I'm just mindful of time, but I think we've, we've gone pretty deep on the REA story. Mm. I think it'd be worth covering. How did you, how did that transform into the Agile Contact Center? Like what was can the... I, can, I, can, can I tell you a story before I do that? Yeah, sure. I, I'm going to tell you a story. I don't tell it many times. So <laughs> I don't know if this will be a, a good one for, um, for, your, for your listeners. It's an exclusive for the listeners. Yeah. There we go. We can, edit it. we can edit it out if it's no good anyway, so. <laughs> it is very good. You know, a lot of, some people, when, when I, especially when I, when I started doing some talks and speaking events about this, you know, people ask me, you know, when did you know that you had made it? When, when was the time that you feel like, oh, you know, uh, there's something here, right? And there is one, one time where I think that happened. So um, we started using you know, visual management, we started using post-it notes and, you know, on the walls and everything. And we, you know, complete, as you know, complete cars and then done column. And then all the cars, when it's, they're done, we put it on a spike. We use, we use a spike to put all the cars and, you know, as a, as a showing that, you know, all these things we had done together and, you know, all that. And then the spike got full. The spike, you know, got full. So, you know, and someone in the team asked me, hey, what do we do now? What do we do with these cards? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Just, I don't know, you know, burn them and we dance around them or something. We do a ceremony, uh, you know. I said, I'm not sure. Do whatever you want with them. <laughs> I tell coaches do, you know, with these things. So I went home and then I came back the next day and a few people of the team had taken all those cards, all those index cards, and they had built the word change with those cards on the wall. They build with every single car, they put the word change. Remember at the beginning of this, of this podcast, I was, I was telling you that this team was struggling with change and I was telling that change gets thrown, thrown upon, upon us and everything. And they, to me, that's when I knew we've done something really special here. This mm -hmm. team owns change, loves change. They've embraced change. They know that change is the only way to move forward. Good story. Yeah. It's a brilliant story. And goosebumps. Oh, yeah. It's a ripper story. And it's uh, probably, you've just given us our podcast promo. It was there as well. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, so tell us then where to from there. I think, Annie, was your question, where did you go from the Agile Contact Center to the Agile 11? Yeah. Look, I, I, um, I, it was, it was a, it was a really good time, you know, like those three years that, that I was there. I was doing other roles and I helped all the teams, but that was, you know, profoundly um, impact me. And um, I saw the impact in the people of that team. You know, young people, young people, usually these people is the first job too, right? Like a lot of people in contact centers is the first job. And I, and I, and I said to them when the, the later, the latter part of my, of my tenure there, when we had already changed that culture and it was, you know, and you know, the young guys will come as their first job. They'll say, we're spoiling you here. Like, don't think that all the, you know, all the, all the contact centers and all the companies out there are like this, you know, you, you're, you know. <laughs> so as I said, like I, I, I saw the profound change and impact in the people and in the organization. So, you know, I almost can say that I found my calling uh, mm -hmm. and 
you know, what I wanted to do with the rest of, of my professional career. Um, as you, Sean, we had a lot of people that came to, to see the contact center and we had a few, um, or I had a few people contacting me and wanting to work, you know, with me and try to do that. So I decided to, to set up a consultancy that could help all the contact centers out there um, to run in, in this more human center, more humanistic, more customer centric approach that more traditional contact centers will have. Mm. So I, I started the, the contact center as, as a business. Um, that evolved very quickly because I started, as I started working with other contacts, with contact centers, other parts of the business also wanted me to work with them and started working with marketing teams and HR teams and, you know, operations teams and software teams as well. So um, the, we created the Agile 11 brand um, very quickly and we maintain both brands. We maintain the Agile Contact Center brand and, and, and the Agile 11 brand. And to be honest, I had a little bit neglected the Agile Contact Center brand until Sean came about a year ago, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And took the reins of, of the Agile Contact Center and he's, he's done it much better, you know, uh, <laughs> then. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I think the last iteration of that is last year when we merged um, the Agile 11 with G2 Innovation to create New 21, uh, which is now um, this org design, innovation, leadership, agility uh, consultancy that we have. So it's been quite a, you know, now reflecting back, quite a quick, beautiful journey, mm -hmm. but um, it all started with the contact center. So it is definitely the origin story. It is, an, it is an incredible origin story to think that 10 years ago you started at REA and now uh, it, it's evolved into New 21. It's pretty incredible. An absolute testament to your, your vision and your, your drive as a, as a leader. So congratulations. It's well, thank pretty, you. Pretty amazing. As I said at the beginning, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support that I had both from the company or the people that were in the company or, you know, the agile coach that I had, you know, helping the, me at the time and many people along the way as well that then have formed part of, you know, the agile contact center, the agile 11 or new 21, you know, mm -hmm. like you Arnie, uh, when you came on board as well. So it's not definitely not a solo, uh, you know, success or journey it has been a team journey and success, which mm. I think we all very proud of it. Yeah, we sure are. All right. So, or maybe last question, because because you are such a visionary, you'll have the answer. What does what does twenty twenty one hold? What do you think, or what do you hope for for twenty twenty one? What do I hope for twenty twenty one? That is a great question. Um, from a contact center point of view, or in general, Sean? Uh, look, I think in let's just go general. I think. Yeah. I think I think 2020 was very hard for for many people, um, but also brought us some good things. And as you know, I'm a very positive person, or very optimistic. I'm always trying to look on the on the bright side of things. And for example, you know, from the world of work, I think it it has opened the eyes of many people and organizations that work can be different and can be done differently. And that work and that life is more than work as well. 
and there is an opportunity to reconnect with your family and your loved ones and your 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 little ones you know um so i think if we take those good things that that 2020 taught us by accident and we make them part of you know our 2021 normal or bau i think that would be a great thing um i also think that companies again have been have been forced to change or were forced to change in 2020 and were forced to trust their employees you know when in march or april they say well you, we have to go home <laughs> there's no <laughs> so from now on i'm going to trust that you're going to do the work right <laughs> so there was a lot of trust injection in the workforce at the time and i'm hoping that we can keep most of that as well for 2021 but um yeah look i, I know it's hard for many people and when we think about globally, we're still very lucky in Australia and, and, and other countries around the world that are having it tough from a health and, you know, um, point of view. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's also strengthening strengthen some good things like love and connection in a weird way. Mm. I couldn't agree more particularly around the trust piece. I think that's been the biggest, the biggest shift that I've seen. So thank you so much, Eduardo. That was, uh, it was a pleasure to finally get that origin story out. Yeah. Thanks so much, Eduardo. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Arnold. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Until part two. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you.